and I read in Jesus' name, Luke 12, 31 through 34. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions, give to the needy, provide yourself with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Let us pray. Father, as we seek to understand your word, to live it out, to glorify you, Lord, we pray that you would change us through it. Indeed, you make us more like Christ. Father, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So I was, as I was contemplating this passage, you know, I was thinking about uh, doing a cult joke and how you're, you're supposed to sell all your possessions and then give them to me. Um, but that, I know, right? Um, thankfully, I decided not to. Um, wait a second, I just did. <laughs> but, you know, that's, that's how these things sometimes get used. You know, and they get used by people in authority in order to gain a cumin for themselves, to accumulate stuff. And it misses the whole point of this passage. Because as we start, we remember what as Christians. So I'm, I'm talking to you guys as Christians. This isn't an evangelism sermon. This is for us as Christians, which contains the gospel, because we need the gospel too, at least I do. You know, we need the truth about God, but then how do we live that out? Because the truth about God here is that God is the one who provides. He is the one who's given us all that we have. You know, you say, well, no, but I worked for that, yes, who gave us the energy to work, who gave us the opportunities, who gave us these privileges that we, we really do have. And I'm not saying white privilege, you know, in the reality, we're American we're privileged to be Americans. We're privileged to have education. We're privileged to, you know, have... It is amazing the amount of gifts that we have, the privileges that we really do have. And that's not something to feel guilty about. And that's where our current political regime, I'm not even going to mention names or anything, is trying to push us. You know, you should feel guilty about this. It's like, no, you shouldn't feel guilty about this. You should thank God for this. And you should remember that it's not you that has given you all that you have. Rather, it's God who has given us all that we have. So then how do we live out that truth? You know, if you are more valuable than the birds of the air, if you are, this is truth, if you are actually more valuable than the birds of the air, how do we live this out? What does this look like? This looks like seeking his kingdom first. We don't seek our kingdoms we don't seek our stuff. We don't start worshiping that because it's God who has given us that. We seek his kingdom. So if all these things have been given to us, if God promises to us, you know what? If you need it, I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to provide for you if you need it. Does that mean that God's going to give us all of our wants and you know, pat us on the head and then send us on our way? Well, no. Because it's interesting that a scripture reading today, when God put man in the garden... What did he do? Told him to work. So is work good? 
Yeah, because that's an expansion on the sixth day. On the sixth day, God created man. Male and female, he created them. And he said it was, and so this, you know, I just skipped a few parts. And it was very good. And so God gave man work. And God's now saying, that's part of this very good. So does that give us, you know, okay, God's going to provide for us. Okay, then I don't need to do anything. Like, no, we seek his kingdom. This becomes the goal and the focus of our work. So it's, it's easy for me as a pastor. You know, as a pastor, I'm supposed to seek his kingdom. Well, yeah, but what does that look like? You know, as, as we live our lives, as Kirsten and I live our lives, we strive to bring the gospel wherever we go. And so what we eat, what we drink, where we live, you know, the, the goals with these things, now they have purposes. How do we bring the gospel through this? How do we bring the gospel through our house? How do we bring the gospel through our children, to our children, but also through our children, to our marriage and through our marriage? How we use our vehicles, how we use our money. What are we seeking to do? But seek first his kingdom. That's the application of the truth of the gospel. God loves you. How then ought you to live? Your money doesn't love you. When you spend your money, does it mourn? Oh, I really liked, I liked being in Jim's pocket. (laughs) I liked being in Kevin's checkbook. That was a great place for a one and a zero to be. (laughs) Because it's all binary now anyways. Does your money mourn you? Your money doesn't care about you. I'm sorry. Hopefully you didn't actually believe that it did. It doesn't care about you. Your vehicle doesn't care about you. Your home doesn't care about you. If you move today, your house will not start crying. (laughs) Think about it. These things don't love us. They don't love us. Should we live for something that doesn't love us? Or should we live for someone who does? God loves you. Oftentimes, when we mourn the passing of someone, why do we mourn their passing? Well, we miss them because what they do for us. You know, where the hole that they've left a hole in my life. You know, we're, we do that, don't we? I've said stuff like that. Like, I miss some of my friends. Why? Because I miss having these people to talk to, I miss seeing them. I miss hanging out with them. Well, it's, it's me. I'm not rejoicing that they're somewhere else. And well, to some degree, I am, yes. But the other part is, well, I'm being selfish with this too. They're not in my life. So we don't live for people. We seek his kingdom. His kingdom. That it might come into your guys' lives and that it might come into my life. So that becomes our focus. So Jesus then teaches us to apply this. If you're going to seek his kingdom and he's calling you to sell all you have, so what do you do? You sell all you have. Because if that advances his kingdom, then he's going to provide for you. 
Now, if you're doing that out of some sense of slavery or something, because, you know, I, I, I did some study on this, and I've done study on this over the years. There aren't that many people throughout the history of humanity that have actually taken this and said, you know what, I'm just going to sell everything and live in poverty. Because even the disciples had stuff. And so what is this, how do we then apply this? Well, if this thing, and this is something that as Kirsten and I are, are you know, going through our stuff and trying to figure out how to move, you know, it's a terrible experience because all of that stuff that we've had in boxes and all of that stuff that we've had sitting around, we didn't have to make any decisions about it. It just sits there. Ignored. <laughs> but it just sits there. But now that we're thinking about moving, now we actually have to make decisions. And now we've got to sift through this. And we're, you know, how fine of a screen do you have? We're going to keep everything. Well, no. We're going to get rid of everything. Well, sometimes that'd kind of be nice. <laughs> Make moving a lot easier. We're just going to put it on the curb and you guys can have it. <laughs> you probably won't want it. <laughs> you have to make decisions. You have to, you have to sell it. So, as people have gone throughout history, they've asked the question, the, the most solid and stable and deepest Christians have asked the question, does this advance the kingdom or this, does this distract me from it? Because that's really the question that Jesus is bringing to us here. Sell your possessions. Okay, is this your possession? Is this God's? Is this keeping you from God and drawing you away? Or is this drawing you to God and helping you to serve him. Because if it's drawing you to God and helping you to serve him, it's not your possession, it's his. It's his possession then. Because he has given this to you, he has provided this to you for the work that he has given you. Well, this is consuming all of my time. Okay. Maybe it's not good anymore. Maybe you need to make a decision about that. Does this make sense? This is what Jesus is calling us to do here as we're interacting with stuff. So, Joe, you made a comment earlier about friends, and maybe I missed the point when you thought of the friends. Okay. Um, where they sh- they're dist- using it as a distraction or whatever, they're a distraction. Sometimes they are. I, I guess I was still lost in the word thought process. Okay, so... We're not to be living for our friends. Why? Because ultimately, our friends don't love us either. Some do. Not, you know, that's not 100%. But our friends don't love us in purity like God loves us in purity. And so if we live for our friends and we make them idols in front of God, they will ultimately disappoint us. Have you guys ever been disappointed by a friend? A couple times. It happens. You know what? God has never disappointed me. He hasn't always given me what I wanted, but he's never disappointed me. He's never made a promise and then not kept it. And so if I'm living for my friend, for their sake, it will ultimately lead me astray. They will ultimately lead me astray because they'll become a false god. And then I'm going to start to rely on them and they're not going to be able to bear that burden. And as they can't bear that burden, they're going to have to either do, they're going to have to do one of two things. Um, Try to bear that burden and fail or reject me. And because they can't, humanity does not have the power to withstand the weight of worship. We're not strong enough to actually hold up under the weight of worship. 
And so I can't live for my friends. I can't worship them. But God can withstand that weight. God can bear that burden of worship. God can bear the burden of absolute trust. Whereas people can't. Does that make sense? It's a strange way of thinking about worship. Actually being a weight that we put upon someone. But that's what worship is. When we put our worship upon money, when we put our worship upon our, our land, you know that the government has mechanisms by which they can just take away your land. I'm, I, I'm not going to get into the politics of that. <sighs> Control yourself, Joe. Okay. They can do that. And so my land it does not bear my worship. It cannot bear that weight. It cannot bear that burden. But God can. Because my money will fail me. My land will fail me. My friends will fail me. All of these things will fail us. And so they can't bear the weight of our worship. But they are things that God has given us in order to serve him. So God gives us ungodly friends sometimes. Not Christian friends. Why? So that we can bring the gospel to them. So now the reason, so this is uh, um, not Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Come on, Joe. InterVarsity. InterVarsity's goal with evangelism. They talked about friendship evangelism all the time. Campus Crusade talked about initiative evangelism. We're going to go and we're going to share the gospel with them. And if they accept the gospel, then they're going to become our friends. If they don't, they're going to reject us. That was Campus Crusade's model. Um, it was fun. Uh, InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, they said we need to build friendships with these people. And as we build friendships with these people, then we can share the gospel with them. Well, the, there's a danger there. Because sometimes my friendship becomes more important than me sharing the gospel. And I'm afraid to lose this friendship if I share the gospel. And so then what do I do? I don't share the gospel because I'm, I'm worshiping my friendship instead of worshiping Christ. And it's leading me astray. And so that's some of the thought process with bringing in our friends. We can't worship them. The purpose that God has given them is to serve him with them. And we serve him by bringing the gospel. We serve him by loving them. Does that make sense? Good. And so that's part of selling your possessions. So I have to be willing to sell my friendships for the sake of the gospel. The gospel needs to be worth more to me than my friendships. The gospel needs to be worth more to me than my house, than my, than my possessions. The gospel needs to be worth more to me than all of these things. I need to be willing to sell absolutely everything that I have and live with nothing if God calls me to do that for the sake of his kingdom. So Joe, in, in our prayer group here today, uh, was mentioned of isolating, you know, as we get isolated, and how he likes to work against us at that point. And you're saying here we're selling, I mean, it's, in a general sense, what you said is selling off our friends to be able to take the worship, but I mean, isn't that kind of working against each other? No. So, so in, in the prayer group back there, um, they talked about isolation, that we have to be careful not to be isolated. So there's, there's everything lives on extremes. You know, there's always a potential. There's, what is that? There's a ditch on the left and on the right. And so you always have to be careful about that. So one, one place, one problem, is that we sift through all of our friends so that we only have Christian friends. Well, why would we do that? Well, because I, I don't like having to put in the work, because non-Christian friends are work. They really are. 
hanging out with non-Christian people takes work because I got to put up with their sins. And so since those people aren't as perfect as I am, Since those people aren't as, and so that's important though, note that. Since those people aren't as perfect as I am, I'm not going to spend time around them. I'm only going to spend time around people that are more mature than myself. Well, you know, in some ways, in some places, Kevin, I'm more mature than you are. In some places, you're more mature than I am. And so if we run into one of those places where you're more mature than I am and you've got this idea that I'm only going to have people around me that support me and that lead me to Christ, then you have to get rid of me in those situations. And so as we sift through our friendships so that we only have people that bless us, we're ultimately going to be alone because nobody can bless us all the time because they're always going to fail at some point. And so that's the level of isolation over there. We're only going to be around Christians that are more solid than us. Ultimately, we'll only be with us. The other side, the other error and the other danger is that we're going to say, you know what? I don't need Christian friends. I'm just going to be friends with whoever comes along my way. And the goal is going to be the friendship. Well, if the goal is the friendship, then that becomes higher than worshiping Christ, than seeking his kingdom. And so we should be seeking friendships with non-Christian people always. But in all of our friendships, we should have one goal, his kingdom in their lives. So seek first his kingdom. So if that means that I have a hundred non-Christian friends and I'm seeking the kingdom in all of their lives, there's nothing wrong with that. If I have one non-Christian friend and I'm seeking the kingdom in their life, there's nothing wrong with that. If all of my friends are Christians and I'm seeking the kingdom in their lives, well, odds are not all of my friends are Christians. And as I seek the kingdom in their life, that will reveal itself. Because they might call themselves Christians, but they're really not. You know, we've had discussions about that too. Just because you're in a garage doesn't make you a car. So just because you're in a church doesn't make you a Christian. That's reality. And so what's the goal of the friendship? Because a friendship is a possession, right? It's something that takes work. It takes maintenance. Friendship is a possession. What's the goal that you have it for? Is it to make you feel better? Or is it to bring Christ? What's the goal? Because that's the whole discussion here. What's the goal? What are you possessing? What is possessing you? Possess his kingdom. Seek his kingdom. If your job comes between you and the kingdom of God, get rid of your job. If your hand causes you to sin, what does Jesus say? Cut it off. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. If your friendship causes you to sin, keep it. No. Get rid of it. Seek his kingdom. This is the goal. What is the goal of your life? So you have a God that cares about you, that's promised to provide everything, that says he's the one who has provided everything. Live for him instead of making a God out of any of these other things that he has provided. Seek his kingdom first. Make that your primary. That's the whole point of this. And so if I'm isolating myself, I'm not seeking him. Because he loves not just me, but he loves others. And we're told in the book of Romans, and, and this is actually, this is an important passage because we're told in the book of Romans that the Holy Spirit pours his love into our hearts. And you know that he loves non-Christians? And so if we don't love non-Christians, there's something wrong with, with our relationship with Christ. And we need to bring that to him. 
Bring that to him in confession. Lord, I find that I don't love non-Christians. They just irritate me. That's my sin. That's not their fault. They're non-Christians. They don't know any better. It's like saying, oh, I hate it when babies cry. Well, that's what they do. It's kind of like sinners. You know what they do? They sin. I know, shocking, right? How dare they? How dare these sinners not be holy? No, Christ loves them. We're supposed to be bringing the gospel into their lives. But then the purpose of that friendship is to bring the gospel. Does that make sense? Seek first his kingdom. If that means sell everything you have, are you willing to do that? Oh, I don't know if I could do that. I put a lot of work into this. God can provide. You know, I think about the story of what George Mueller, Brother Andrew. Think about the story of a myriad of missionaries and godly men and women that have lived their lives with nothing and God has provided and they've just simply sought the kingdom. Can God provide? God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Like Otto Koning jokes, God knows where all of the gold mines are. If he told us, you know what we'd do? We'd go and dig it up and have to dig another hole to put them in. God just leaves them there. He's got it. If he wanted you to have it, you'd have it. Don't live for these things. Because where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. What you are worshiping becomes your God. What you focus on is where your heart is. This is my treasure. This is the thing that's most valuable to me. I wouldn't give that up. Really? For the sake of God? For the sake of eternal life? For the sake of the one who's given you everything? What's your goal? What's the purpose of your life? What is it all pointing towards and aiming for? God's saying, live for me? I will provide. Live for money? Then money has to provide for you. You live for other people, then other people have to provide for you. You live for your land, then your land has to provide for you. You live for your job, then your job has to provide for you. You live in order to please people, then their pleasure needs to provide for you. You seek first his kingdom, he says, I'll provide for you. What are you going to live for? That's the question. That's the whole point of this. Fear not, little flock. It is your father's good pleasure to give you his kingdom. He wants to. He wants to. He wants you to have everything in abundance. He wants you to have life. Right? John 10.10. 10. The thief comes, steal, kill, and destroy. That sounds like a nice friendly guy, right? You know what the thief uses? All of the things in this world. The things in this world, if you worship them, what will they do to you? They will steal, they will kill, and they will destroy you. Period. Period. But I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. But this is eternal life, that they believe in me. And so as we interact with Christ, as we trust in him, as we walk with him, as we live for him, what does he promise to us? Promises to us true life. He promises to us the realities of heaven, even in this world. Eternal life. Glory. 
the experience of love, joy, peace, you know, all of those fruits of the Spirit, they become ours for the sake of His kingdom. So what do you possess? Or rather, I should say, what possesses you? What do you live for? What hopes, what dreams do you have in this world? Is it to seek his kingdom? Or is it self-actualization? Nobody actually says that. It's, is it wrong that I just want to be happy? Well, no. But usually the way that people seek it is wrong. Because it comes from Christ. So what are we living for? And I'll put myself in that. What are we living for? But, but, and this is an important point, you're not smart enough to be able to study your own life to know that absolutely. We're not smart enough. We're not honest enough. We're not clear enough. We're not courageous enough. We need him to show us. Lord, what am I living for? What is coming between me and you? I know some of my own temptations. I know that one of the things that comes between myself and the work of God is the desire to be able to do things myself. Self-reliance. Self-reliance is a temptation that comes between me and Christ. And that is something that this whole building this house thing has brought into clear focus. Joe, this is something that you need to confess and that you need to work on. Okay, Lord. How? <laughs> He's given opportunities. But that's one of the things that I struggle with. So I'm gonna, am I going to allow my desire for self-reliance to come in between me and his kingdom? Or am I going to seek first his kingdom instead of my desires? Does it make sense? See, the thing is, as I've thought through and listened to some of my sermons, they're not complex. Like, these thoughts are not complex. This is simple stuff, you guys. What are you living for? You know, are you going to just do whatever you feel like it? Just do it like Nike says, YOLO, you only live once. Are you going to live that way? Are you going to live for something that lasts? Are you going to live for something that actually pays you back? How many of you like being scammed? Any of you? No, it's not particularly fun. Thankfully, yeah, no, I, I can't say I've never been scammed, but I have bought essential oils. No, I'm, no, I'm just joking. Kind of. <laughs> when we get scammed, what happens? Someone promises you, promises you the world but they only deliver a little. That's what Satan does. And that's what all these things do that we live for in this world. Whereas God fulfills all his promises. All the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. So what are you living for? And are you willing to actually put God to the test and live for his kingdom? And confess your sin that these things do not satisfy. Any questions? Any other questions?
All right, if not, let's pray. Lord, I'll be honest. I have sought my kingdom. I have sought the pleasure of my friends instead of bringing your gospel there. I have capitulated and not walked in your truth, but joined in with their sin. I have sought my own self-reliance instead of seeking to use the jobs that you've given me to build your kingdom. Lord, I've sought these things. And I ask your forgiveness. And I pray for those here that are hearing this, whether they're here or on YouTube or wherever. Lord, I, I pray that you would reveal to us the things that are coming between us and your kingdom. Lord, that we might seek first your kingdom. Lord, that we might do this with honesty and purity of heart. Lord, because you've promised to give us everything. So, why would we seek those things? Whereas you are the source of all of them. May we seek you, trusting in you, hoping in you, relying on you. Lord, because you can bear that burden. You can carry that weight, the weight of our hopes and our desires. You can bear them. Nothing else can. Guide us now, Father. Reveal to us our sin that we might confess it. Reveal to us the truth that we might walk in it. Lord, we look to you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.